da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. We are happy to come to you this evening from the friendly confines of our homes in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. I'm actually at a bus station. <laughs> I, I speak for myself. And uh, okay. I'm happy to actually be talking about a movie that is not only not a summer blockbuster, but it's not awful. Yeah, it's actually good. Look at that. So this, this they do might... make good movies in 2016. <laughs> we always get the notion. Uh, we always get, <laughs> I guess, the title of uh, one of those podcasts that just bashes movies. Uh, there are a lot yeah. of them out there, and they're very entertaining. And I do listen to some of them. Yeah, but I just want to. This kind of reiterates yeah. that if it's good, we'll talk about it being good. And um, this movie was good. I'll say that right off the top. And I'm excited to talk about this one tonight. Uh, Flashback to like 2013, 2014. There's like a, there's a bunch of episodes in there where we like stuff. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Those Oscar seasons were pretty good. Remember? Yeah. I'm just then, thinking uh, back to earlier in the year and I'm just trying to think, you know, jog my brain because believe it or not, these weeks run together when you're doing this show. Um, <laughs> trying to jog my brain on what we've been doing and I just no, like nothing sticks out at all. You know, in any sense from this year, that's not good. It's been a weird year. Yeah. Nothing. Jungle I don't Book even remember good. what's come out. Like that's how, yeah. how meh, it's been so far. You know, I think we had a, I think we had a better first four months than we expected. And then the last four months have just been crap. So yeah, yeah you exactly. Know, it's not great. Jungle Book was good. Nice guys was good. Civil War, Deadpool. I mean, there were good movies, um, but then we've just. I don't know when the last one, last time was we saw one that we reviewed anyway. No, not this it's summer. Been a while. Not this summer it's at all. It's been a rough summer. Yeah. I've needed a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. and I'm glad to have one tonight. But we must start off the show with movie news, rumors, and rumblings. Uh, I come to you guys today a little bit with a heavy heart and sad yeah. to have to bring up the news of the passing of the one and only honorary Amer- American treasure. Uh, as of today, uh, Gene Wilder, uh, passing away at 83 years old. What a life. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, hard to imagine a world without him in it. Uh, we've kind of been there for the past 20 or 30 years because he hasn't been working, uh, much if at all. And, Mm. um, so I guess in that sense, uh, it makes it a little easier, but not easier knowing that, uh, you know, a man as brilliant as him is no longer with us and we'll never hear from him again, any of his thoughts or, you know, anything. That's uh that's very sad. But I mean, when you think about it, he could be the most talented actor we've seen uh on the screen. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of an actor that would want to go toe to toe with Gene Wilder in a scene mm-hmm. or or share a scene and try to get the the payoff because you know you're gonna lose to Gene Wilder. I'm just trying to think of you know, Nicholson, De Niro, Tom Hanks, like none of them would want to even, fa- you know, they look up to Gene Wilder. Uh, mm. So I just can't think of somebody who has that much power, humor, um, drama, you know, so much, so much body language. <laughs> um, I mean, he said so much mm-hmm. with saying so little. I mean, his eyes like, holy crap, you know, uh, from an actor's yeah. perspective, like he was just like his face alone was the performance. Um, really going to miss him. 
I watched uh, watched Wonka last night. Uh, came home from from the screening of Hell or High Water and turned on Wonka. And it's quite the double feature. I suggest yeah. you try it at home, kids. <laughs> That's like one of your top ten favorite movies, isn't it's, it? It was it was mentioned Close in the episode. It. Uh, I think okay. it's, an, it's an honorable mention. Uh, gotcha. It was mentioned in the episode, but I remember talking about it. And wa- watching the movie last night makes me makes me want to do an episode on that movie because yeah, it, we uh, maybe we'll do it in our next batch of throwbacks. But um, yeah, so much yeah. to talk about with it, but. Such a great, good live commentary too. It would so many good jokes. I was I was watching it last night and just thinking, man, I wish I was a taking notes on this, so I remember it later for a potential podcast, or b doing a Mm -hmm. doing a commentary on it because uh, what a movie! But man, he is that movie. It's just incredible what he's able to do. I mean that that one shot of him coming out of the factory for the first time and walking down the carpet, you know, limping or whatever. I mean. Has yeah. there been a more iconic image in cinema than like him in that outfit? You know, like just is that the most universal the, like yeah. character ever? Maybe everyone knows that. Everyone, it's just right. so embedded into the fabric of what movies are. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of the greatest character entrances of all time, if at the very least. You know, it's, mm, it's so good. Yeah, it's pretty late into the movie too. I mean, not late, mm-hmm. but. There's a good like thirty minutes. Oh, it is. Before I, that, he pops that, that did surprise me last watching. I was like, I, I didn't realize. I mean, they have to introduce every single kid that wins a ticket before that. Yeah. And yeah. maybe we could save this for the episode, but just the little vignettes that are in between the. I mean, it's a very simple mm-hmm. movie when it comes down to it. I mean, they introduce the kids, they go to the factory. That's it, you know. But they kind of have to mm-hmm. accent that with something. So what they do is kind of like just little vignette one scenes of people, you know, trying to get tickets or being obsessed with tickets and some of them are so funny like the computer you know reading out uh now i will tell the computer to tell me where the tickets are and the computer like prints out a thing that says why would i tell you and then he said because i'll share the, i'll share it with you and then he says uh what would i do with a thousand chocolate bars i'm a computer and then <laughs> and then the guy goes i'll tell I, right now i'm telling the computer exactly what he can do with a thousand chocolate bars <laughs> And there's there's this great little funny like almost that teacher's great air, airplane level comedic bits that are kind of in between yeah. the movie and I never re- I mean mm-hmm. I noticed it before but this past viewing it stuck out I mean we need to do a podcast on that but aside yeah. from that Gene Wilder made the movie such an iconic mm-hmm. character and aside from that what can I say about his career I mean he did everything he was him and Mel Brooks were basically uh, you know a tandem. <laughs> And yeah. uh, thank God for that, because what what a great uh, partnership they were. But I'll let you guys talk about uh, Gene Wilder now, because I don't want to steal the uh, the soapbox here. Yeah, one of my favorites, you know, um, I, I was a kid. I mean, I think the first time I saw him, I mean, logically would be Willy Wonka, but maybe it was other things. I mean, he's just so omnipresent um, in like every... You know, I'm born in 86, so, like, every movie I watched that was, like, before I was born, it seemed like it had Gene Wilder in it. <laughs> um, and so I just always thought of him as, like, it's weird. Until I got older, I always thought of him as, like, a serious actor that just did kind of weird parts. I didn't really know what – because, like, to me, I mean, I, I was – I always say this. I was eight years old in 1994, so in 1994, Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber all come out. So to me, like – and then shortly thereafter, like Austin Powers. So to me, like a comic actor was w- very broad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you get older and you kind of leave that stuff behind, you, you really start to recognize the kind of like genius subtlety of acting something comically very serious. I'm mean, not that he didn't do a lot of broad stuff because he did, but there was always this kind of wild, um, no pun intended wildness to him, but it was, it was beautifully constrained when he needed it to. And it, it, it led to, you know, like Willy, Willy Wonka is a pretty creepy character for a mm-hmm. long time still, you know, it's so funny. Like the, the, the masters of modern creepy and in, in Tim Burton and Johnny Depp, remake that movie and they don't make it half as creepy as Gene Wilder. And they just weren't able to do that (laughs) except for kind of the Michael Jackson parallels maybe, but, um, (laughs) so it was, uh, it, 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 yeah. I mean, look, I mean, not a, I mean, a huge loss historically and everything. I, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, not that 83 is, you know, the bright age to die, but I mean, he hadn't worked in eight or nine years. It's not that, you know, we, we've lost him in his prime. It's just very sad that it's just, it's one of those where it's like, ah, it sucks. He's not out there somewhere. Yeah. Um, was it his last role was like Will and Grace or something. Right. I mean, and that's been off the yeah. air. Yeah. Something like time, that. So. I, I know Steven Spielberg was trying to get him for ready player one. Uh, yeah, I, I and never, that. never worked that out obviously, or maybe they did. And we just don't know, which would be incredible <laughs> if that we get, cool. if we get that cameo after all, but, uh, Brian, you got the four. Yeah, I mean, and this is a really tough one. You were upset with, with it when we when we informed you of that the news. You were yeah, yeah. You were not I mean, this is, happy at all. This year sucks. I right? love I love Gene Wilder so much, and I you know I'm a, I'm with Richard. I saw for I don't know why because sorry at whatever at eight I can't you can't get the comedy that he's putting out there with. Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles or or whatever else. I you don't really understand it, but I I remember it being on in my house to the same point as you, Richard. Like I feel like I'm probably saw Young Frankenstein before I saw Willy Wonka, which seems same. really yeah counterintuitive. But I yeah I, I, I don't like know which of those I saw first. I really don't. I, for some reason, I I feel like I have that in my mind somewhere, and then you know, saw Willy Wong was like, Oh, that's the guy from young Frankenstein, which is a really weird thing for, you know, a six or eight year old to, to recognize. But, um, you know, for somebody who he only has 37 credits to his name and that includes a lot of TV and some kind of lower level stuff. I mean, I, I don't mean to, I don't want to disparage Gary Shanling at all, but no. I, I think, I think the if highs I, as far as on screen are much higher for as far sure. as just pop cultural relevancy for Gene oh, Wilder, sure. but his behind the scenes sort of stuff and, and the influence that he had was, I think just as, just as prevalent. I mean, just personally, you know, we talk about our love, our shared love for, for David Letterman. And I think David Letterman is kind of a direct descendant from Gene Wilder and in turn oh, that goes directly to about that. Conan O'Brien in a lot of ways. And Conan O'Brien is my, you know, my talk show of, of choice or talk host of choice over, you know, the first, whatever, last 20 years. And it's that well, kind of Pat wild Sajak one. And then... <laughs> right. Yeah. Then Magic Johnson. Then the Magic um, Hour. Absolutely. Right. But the second Magic Johnson show, not not the first one. Uh, oh, OK. No, but I just he had this. It's it's he, he was able to be wacky but centered and focused at the same time. And, uh, you know, so much of what he did, especially early was, was very subversive, but not in a, not in a perverse way, I guess. Is that, I don't know. That may not be a good way to put it, but 
he was so good at kind of skirting the edges with really funny jokes and, and really off kilter stuff, but it didn't ever come across as completely out there or, 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 or like unable to, to grasp what he was doing, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to describe his genius, but anyway, he, one of my biggest influences, I guess, is at least as far as, uh, the type of comedy that I enjoy and um, one of the, I think, most singular, singularly most talented people that has ever come through, you know, TV movies, the, this entire industry. He's just, um, he's so good. And I, I like, you guys are right. He hasn't done anything forever. It's been over 20 years since he did a movie. Um, and then, you know, everything else has just been bits here and there on TV. But I just liked knowing that he was out there somewhere doing Gene Wilder stuff or just being Gene Wilder, you know? And, and so it's, I'm, I'm bummed. I'm, I'm heavily, heavily bummed right now. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not going to be, uh, fun to go back and kind of watch this because you know, maybe what could have been if he had kept acting, um, he would have been somebody I would have liked to see and do more stuff. Now I'm glad he didn't just Michael Caine, his career, at the end yeah and just yeah, do definitely. literally do now you see me talk, too and crap like that you know i mean seriously there was some talk of it's i mean i don't know i don't want to i'm not a doctor there's some like rumor of alzheimer's and things right yeah that's so i believe that, that's what he died that from complications of yeah of so Alzheimer's. he may not have been able to do a project for mm-hmm. you know seven eight years and that's why he didn't and they probably just didn't want to you know publicize that which is mm-hmm. totally fair yeah, i mean i mean in his in his later years, but not in his seventies. I mean, yeah, sure. I'm thinking in like the nineties and eighties, uh, what more he could have done would have, I mean, he just mm-hmm. didn't feel like he worked. He didn't feel like he needed to work a lot because he's Gene Wilder, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I read several, I watched several pieces and, and read a lot of stuff with him. I watched today his last public interview, at least as far as like a talk show was with Conan. And it was, I think 2011. He looked great. I mean, he sounded well, he didn't sound like he was losing it. Um, but you could, in some of the stuff that I read, it was, he made it pretty clear that he just, he hated the business side of, of show business and didn't just didn't want to be involved in it anymore and kind of just pulled away from it because of that, which much respect, you know what I mean? Like if you just can't, if you don't want to deal with it I've anymore, the same. Then, that's why I, yeah. you know, <laughs> gave up my sitcom. Who right. can you guys think of that kind of on his level? just on impact for, of the genre. Um, the only mm. other person I can think of is Peter Sellers. As far as people I think of from back one. then that just changed the game and maybe, you know, maybe be the best at their craft um, ever, uh, you could argue. And, mm. I mean, that's really the only one I can, you know? I'm just thinking back to, like, Dr. Strangelove and Pink Panther and all that stuff and just comparing mm. that work to Gene Wilder, and it's... I mean, I mean he's, the, the top. he's the British Gene Wilder or something. I guess I don't. Yeah. Go ahead. Peter Sellers is incredible. Gene Wilder. And then I would say Leslie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking solely for Ghostbusters for that. Per, I mean, solely that's already. Right. You know what, though? I, all, I mean, obviously, Leslie Jones has been through a lot that she does not deserve at all in the last few weeks. And that's horrible. Um, but I will say she is in the trailer for what's that movie? The one that's been on the. The Owen Wilson, Zach Galifianakis one that's been on the Masterminds. Masterminds. Yeah. Yeah. And it like, she had it. Like, I laughed. She what, didn't scream a joke and like said a joke and I laughed. So I just, I just want writers, and the same goes for 
Kate McKinnon. I just want writers to come along that will write for, write yeah, for them outside of their SNL personas, you know? Yeah. yeah. That didn't happen for Kristen Wiig until later, and um, I'm just waiting for that to happen for Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon. And Melissa McCarthy is just now there, like where she's not like the falling down girl the entire movie. And Ghostbusters was one yeah. of the first movies we've seen that in. So um, I think she'll get there. I think she'll get there. But who who do you think Richard has kind of – so maybe Mel Brooks himself, I mean. Yeah, uh, Mel Brooks. Yeah. I think Eddie Murray – excuse me, Eddie Murphy's run in the – Also a great 80s. hitter for the Orioles. Also Eddie, Eddie Murray, yeah. can't. <laughs> Gene Wilder could not touch Eddie Murray at the plate. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's true. Uh, Eddie Murphy's 80s run was pretty iconic. Yeah, that's pretty great. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of a purely comedic people because now people kind of hop in and out of it. There's not like, you know, the comedic leading man, you know, who's had a sneaky good run in that, but there it's one um, genre of comedy, but he's like the Gene Wilder of it is Hugh Grant. Um, Maybe because he's done almost all comedy and has made a trillion dollars at the box office, but it's all romantic comedy. Maybe um, Bill Murray in a way, but not. Yeah. Not he hasn't had the characters that Gene Wilder had though. He wasn't able to craft yeah. those. You know what I'm saying? I, Bill Murray's just been say, Bill Murray in every movie. Yes, exactly. I would say Bill Murray's persona trumps almost any almost any human. persona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, any human ever. But as far as his uh, on screen, I mean, I love so many Bill Murray roles and so many Bill, Bill Murray uh, movies, but it's not. I, I'm not sure that if you stacked up his three best comedic roles if they if they if they measure up to, to Gene Wilder's three best roles, you know? So that's that's an interesting one though. He'll be mm. missed and it just sucks that we had to have another one of these conversations, man. So <laughs> sick I just I never want to talk about people that we like get better. not being here Gosh. again. We're yeah, getting to that just, time where all these people from that era Think are about this good. Oscar montage though. I mean, if this is going to be the be. best one just from yeah. a, just people that we just love. I mean, like viscerally love as as a human race, you know, just leaving us. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not good. Yeah. All right. You know, and I'll say this: I I've had Gene on my uh, on my American Treasure list forever, and for whatever reason, I never brought it up. And I think we need to posthumously put him in and yes, and be officially. done with uh, whatever for whatever reason we've kept him out. It's it's over. Sorry, we never could have seen him in the vest. That would. You know what? I got. No. I got to vote no, Brian. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not not the right time. Not the right time. We'll take take this <laughs> up after the show. I think you would like that joke. I stand by it. So, let's uh, move on, guys, and let's talk about a few uh, movie trailers that uh, I have gotten to see for the first time over the past few weeks. I've been kind of disconnected from the movie trailer world, and I saw a couple during the intro or pre-show up for of hell or high right. water yeah just gearing up and uh super stoked <laughs> like, you know, watching but, all your pilot trailers like ooh, what's i haven't even looked at the list have. because i know <laughs> i saw macgyver is coming back and that's how i'm just like ugh. <laughs> why I, i'm really I, excited for you guys to read the list i sent you because it's uh i don't know what i dread more the email that says from brian hey here's all the tv pilots we need to watch all these or the hey it's time for your six-month checkup from the dentist like i honestly don't know what email's worse oh goodness what a year it's gonna be so 
Let's we went on talking about iconic comedy. Now let's talk about even more <laughs> iconic comedy with Bad Santa Two. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that. I saw this trailer. Um Christina Hendrix though. She's cool. Yeah, I, like I guess Joe. Billy Bob Thornton, not a lot going on. I mean, you were you did Fargo like last year or Billy Bob or Billy, I don't know what you like to be called. Robert E.B. <laughs> Robert William Bob. Robert. He prefers William, William Robert. Willie. Um you <laughs> Uh, He's calling Sling William Robert. Really you don't have to do this. Um, <laughs> Bad Santa was fine. It's not one that I revisit every year because I'm not a horrible person. Maybe it's just <laughs> every time I, I, I probably watched it. I don't know. 2012 was probably the last time I watched it, and I just remember thinking, like, "Wow, what a horrible person he is! What a horrible person everybody in the movie is!" And uh, I didn't want to revisit that world, but. Um, hey, do you know Hollywood who wrote does. the sequel though, or has a writing credit on it? Uh, Bernie Mac. No, no, rest <laughs> in peace. Sorry, Mr. Oh yeah himself, oh, Doug Elon. Yeah, Doug Elon. Doug Elon wrote Bad Santa <laughs> too. Jealous. Bad Santa, Bad Santa is gonna vape so much in this movie. <laughs> That's so much. Hold on, I gotta put on my Axe body spray. <laughs> so you know it's gonna be good if it has. Entourage uh, inspired dialogue because that's what the we o- need in my the only Christmas part that films. I will say made me laugh in the trailer is I forgot about that fat blonde. Have, have you seen the trailer, Brian? I've only the seen red- the like thirty second teaser. I've not seen the full. Did you uh, see the, the first trailer? Bad Santa? The um, are, are you aware of it in any way? Probably, Remember the fat, the fat blonde kid that like is like his protege in it or whatever? Vaguely, yeah. They bring yeah. that kid back and he's like twenty seven now and he looks exactly the same. <laughs> that was the same thing in the trailer. I was like, oh my gosh. It was kind of cool. like when um, Steve Holt came back and looked worse, but <laughs> about the same. You have to watch the trailer just for that because it's really jarring. So, did y'all see this trailer? I did. A hundred times. I haven't. A hundred times. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah. I'm a big bad Santa. Of it. <laughs> we go, I, go to, I go to Bad Santa Con. Every year, how stoked! Don't. How stoked was the kid that the little kid from Bad Santa getting a call like twelve years later? Yeah, it's the same guy, but he's just like fat and twenty five now with the same haircut. He's so stoked! Uh, hey, are you the kid from Bad Santa? Yes, I am. <laughs> Would you like to? Yes. <laughs> uh, same with the little the kid. Uh, what? PD and Four C from Billy and Four C. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Yeah, gosh, he didn't even have a head. Uh, another trailer I saw, and uh, I don't know what to think about this, was Hacksaw Ridge with Andrew mm. Garfield as this, uh, I guess, World War II story. What do we think about okay. this trailer? Have we seen this? I have not seen this one. Tell me about it, Kent. Is it cool? <sighs> it's, I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, you can go <laughs> ahead on it then. Everybody is really psyched about Hacksaw Ridge, like movie twitter went crazy oh, when the mel trailer gibson. dropped yeah it's mel gibson movie and i think it looks i think it really looks bad. awful i think it looks and <laughs> i don't know i'm willing to admit that part of it may just be that i in that three minutes had a really hard time accepting andrew garfield with a southern accent uh so maybe that's part of the deal but it looked it looked really rough to me and i'm i'm on the ban- i'm on the bandwagon as a uh as a Mel Gibson, as a filmmaker fan, not as a human being, but a filmmaker, 
Uh, I think he makes really good movies when he is so inspired to do so. When he's not getting And I like World War II movies, so... Driving while being anti-Semitic. Right, yeah. I am not in favor of that. I want to be clear. I'm not in favor of that part of Mel Gibson, personally. But but I thought it looked pretty uh, pretty cheesy, pretty hackneyed. I did, too. And uh, it kind of... I mean, I have hope for it, but I see it as being kind of a fury kind of a movie. I don't know. Yeah, kind of Just kind of like... Whimper. Comes uh, comes unbroken. out or unbroken. That's that's yeah, probably yeah. a better better comparison. But um, Brian, what do you think about? Keep in mind, you know, with these movies, you've got to really live the character, right? And it's it's uh, it's World War Two. It's, it's sweaty. It's dirty. It's grimy. You're on the front. You're an actor. You're on there. How bad do you think Vince Vaughn smelled <laughs> during the shooting of this movie? Just because of his natural kind yeah. of, as you talked about on the show, his musk, yeah, his um, musk, and then you add like he's in like wool fatigues, right? In yeah, the, heat, the Australian heat, right? I can't imagine that it was good, but on the plus side, it might have been more difficult for him to get a hold of Chicago sausages in Australia, so maybe that. Helps with the smell just just a little bit. Yeah, he's got that. He's got that wedding crashers money still. He flies those in. <laughs> he just flies them in. Just yep. Every day. Just like how they Kielbasa. Yeah. They have sushi in Vegas, don't they? <laughs> Couples <laughs> retreat is still paying those bills. Jeez, man. Poor Vince Vaughn. I like the guy. He just you know looks like he stinks. No big deal. He does look like he smells. He's in the club. <laughs> Somebody needs to confirm. If you ever see Vince Vaughn out in public, please smell him for yeah. us and confirm or deny yeah. the rumor. Email or tweet us. Let us know. No, I don't. I didn't think it looked good. Um, maybe that was part of mine. I just don't like Andrew Garfield, but it had a little cheesy quality that I don't want in my mm-hmm. World War II mm-hmm. epics. So we'll have to be seen. Uh, we'll have to see on that one, or it remains to be seen what Mel Gibson can bring us. But uh, I don't know. He should have just been in it. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, maybe he is. Maybe he shows up. We'll see. Yeah, but he's got a weird like puppet on his hand. It's, it's a <laughs> little raccoon or whatever that movie was. Did you? Did you guys? Was that? I don't know. It was a beaver. 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 That's yeah. right. Uh, what a comeback vehicle that was. What a great. <laughs> probably Jennifer Lawrence's one of her first movies. Oh, yeah. that's right. The that beaver. was her. Yeah, Anton Yeltsin too. R.I.P. Yeah, man. R.I.P. Did you guys see the? I hate to go from Anton Elkin to this. Did you see the trailer for <laughs> yeah, for Yoga Hosers, the Kevin Smith movie? No, I can't oh. deal with that. I don't want. Dude, I want to. Mm. There was. It's like twenty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. How in the world is that? High? Is it that high? Like that doesn't that doesn't even register for me. Our friend, seven friend people of the show, so far. Said, great movie. Friend of the show, Shane Byerly, is a Kevin Smith super fan and completist, and he was like, dude. September 5th, I'm there. Even he is like, you can tell, he's like marching towards his own death. <laughs> going into it. Yeah. Ugh, man. I, so I saw the trailer for that, or promo for it, and I saw this Oliver Stone cell phone ad where he's just yelling at you for oh, having a yes. cell phone and saying... Yes. <laughs> yes. And I just got to thinking, oh, who, who's worse of the worst? Kevin Smith or Oliver Stone? And now we'll spend the rest of the hour of the show debating <laughs> this. Um, and let Kevin me just Smith definitely definitely smells work. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's the fact. Well, he, he's that's... wearing the same hockey jersey for twenty five years. It's he's yeah. got to smell at this point. I wish he wouldn't wear the pads. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, um, 
let me say, um, both have had highlights sure. uh, throughout their yeah. career. Um, I loved Kevin Smith when I was 13. Oliver Stone has taken away to, I mean, when he came out with the World Trade Center movie in like 2004, I was like, yeah. okay, dude, <laughs> settle the freak down right now. You know, um, <laughs> that offended me. And then he's just, he's so predictable. And his movies are all kind of History Channel-esque, you know? He's, he's yeah. kind of, yeah. he's lost like, pulling performances like he did it out of kevin costner and things like that and jfk um yeah. w was he's like fine. the director version of gary Busey to me like he's just <laughs> insane just he's insane an insane person at. um yeah. now flip the coin to kevin smith um or am i the I, only one telling the truth <laughs> i love clerks i will admit that i own it on blu-ray it's a good movie it inspired a lot of independent filmmakers and um that's it from him <laughs> For me, personally. But, I mean, my whole deal with him is as as soon as he started using using the green, which was right (laughs) around, and he'll say it, it was when he made that Zack and Miri movie with Seth Rogen. Yeah. He was like, Seth, like, told me I needed to do it, and we did it, and I was never the same. Obviously, like, everything has gotten awful since then. Um, And he said, you know, I'm, I'm just this is the director I should have been all along and all this stuff, like a bad director. Okay. So it's confirmed you're bad. Okay. All right. Good. (laughs) Glad we weren't under the impression that, uh, I mean, I understand what he represents for culture and comic book culture, but I think he's just kind of, I'm just done with it. I'm just tired of it. Him being in my face all the time and screaming and being high. (laughs) I have this weird thing too. And this is like totally grandpa Barton, but like, I just, I really repulse, like I'm cool with the comic book loving, you know, slacker bro. But when you're like 53 doing it, I don't know something about it just freaks me out. Like, <laughs> hey, I've just read 18 new issues of the new uh, Flash thing, and it's like, dude, you're like you're this close to collecting Social Security, and you're just reading Flash comics. Like that just seems, I'm I'm wrong here. Like the society has chosen that's fine and that's great, but like something about it, like the older these guys, those type of guys get, the more like uncomfortable it makes me. And that's totally a grandpa thing on my part, but that's part of my issue with Kevin Smith. Now it's like, you're too old to care about the green Hornet (laughs) (laughs) that much. Yeah. Yeah, Like it really matters to you. Like weird issues, like new issues of X really matter to you. And it's like, like just go, like just, I don't know, go scream at Fox news or like whatever old white guys do, just go do that. And something about it, like, it's just sad. Well, he's got a sequel to Mallrats coming out. In a I guess the, years, the, so. the appropriate argument I should have made or statement was who has fallen off harder, Oliver Stone or Kevin Smith? Um, I would say Oliver know. Stone's highs were higher, but he's been falling off forever. Like he wrote Scarface. Scarface sucks. Sorry, fans out there. <laughs> that movie's terrible. Oh, and we're going to get some hot sports opinions. Scarface about that. sucks. That's fine. Oh, man. Yeah. The only thing that sucks worse than Scarface is the poster <laughs> of in your bedroom. Whoever emails in. How many say hello to my little friends are we going to get for that uh, one? What a beat down. They're remaking yeah. it, by the way. I hope you know. Okay. Well, hmm. Miles Teller's great <laughs> performance. Yeah. Miles well, Teller, hmm. yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. I think Oliver, you're right, Richard. I think Oliver Stone has higher highs. I think I would. Kevin Smith begged to differ, though. <laughs> <Yeah. 
I think I would prefer to talk to Kevin Smith because at least we could talk about the aforementioned comic books. And if we tried to talk to Oliver Stone, I think. Yeah, you can tell you that giant spider story from the Superman movie didn't make. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Kevin, I know that one. He's like, no, you don't know like this, man. Yeah, just trust me, man. Uh, But don't you think you, if you're just like at a bar with Oliver Stone and he starts talking, don't you think 10 seconds in he starts railing about the government just immediately just some yeah. sort of conspiracy you're, like i have no patience that. for that you yeah. know they poison the water that goes into yeah. mm, you really? know that iphone is tracking you as we speak <laughs> right now i you know what i don't i don't care oliver it's fine like they can have the information it doesn't bother me <laughs> the worst everyone always freaks out about hacking and stuff and i'm like dude hack yeah. away you're just gonna find a like a really depressing youtube search history <laughs> a lot of guitar yeah, tabs not finding nothing right. yeah yeah Elderly butts, very <laughs> elderly butts. There is um, like Rich nineteen eighty six live. Like you're just gonna find those. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what he's gonna do next politically. He's gonna do the Trump Hillary movie in like two years. You know, yeah. is that gonna? That's an inevitability at this point. I don't know. You know his his move would have been like doing those, but he's too on the fringe politically. Um, he could have been like the next move for him would have been, you know how like Jay Roach makes those like HBO political movies, like game change and stuff. Those should be Oliver Stone movies sure. now, but he's just like, you know, the uh, entire election is, that's all. <laughs> it's all controlled by alien robots. And you're like, okay, we're just going to make fun of Sarah Palin. So we'll just have Jay Roach do this, but, uh, thanks Oliver. <laughs> That like was the, way better. The creative process there. Yes. Uh, this is too much work. We'll just get Jay Roach. So you have any That's all I assume movies Jay going Roach right now? Movies. No? Okay. Let's just get him in. Exactly. <laughs> He's literally, he lives in our lobby. <laughs> um, so, but that being said, uh, the Stone movie is getting in an inordinate. I don't know why. It's been delayed like two years. I know, but like these, all of our Stone movies really do. Like W when it came out, the World Trade Center movie when it came out. They, uh, Wall, Wall Street 2. Remember that? That was a thing. Classic. Um, film. They get a ton of, he still generates a ton of buzz when his movies come out. I don't know why, because he hasn't made a good one in like 30 years. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah. yeah. I feel like everybody's talking it up, and then a week later, it will be 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, and everybody will say, oh, this is a terrible movie. Well, of course it's a terrible movie. I remember liking Josh Brolin and W. Yeah, and I remember liking. I I love the casting of Elizabeth Banks as Laura Bush because it's Mm -hmm. somebody you would never think of, but she was she freaking nailed that. And uh, also Richard Dreyfuss as Dick Cheney was randomly like awesome too. (laughs) Uh, But um, but it's kind of like he's like the uh, the only equivalent to (laughs) Oliver Stone is like Billy Corgan, where like for some reason we make a big deal out of everything I do. Like he works in like some middle middling wrestling promotion now and there's all these articles about it and it's like why do we still care the, mm. the good, last good smashing pumpkins album came out in 1994 right but we still it's weird i mean w was decent but obviously still- you haven't heard zeitgeist richard yeah it's just <laughs> guess you're not a big zwan fan so whatever <laughs> so you're off the show I'm permanently e-haw, okay e-haw bust guys i'm e-haw <laughs> bust and you know that yeah. <laughs> that's why hashtag team e-haw yeah that's why I listen to Tinted Windows and Early Pumpkins. That's it. It's like the most Chris Chris Ryan joke of all time I've ever heard. You're off the show. We're done. 
can't do this anymore. Well, so, I mean, I guess just my experience before the, the screening of Hill or High Water kind of was just like, ugh, you know, because of these trailers. And there was no, like, good indie movies. I didn't get to see the La La Land trailer or anything like that in the, in the theater, you know, like I wanted. It was just like, here's Oliver Stone. Here's Yoga Hosers. Mm-hmm. Here's Bad Santa. Here's this Andrew Garfield movie. And here's Hill or High Water. And I was like, wow, okay, wow, okay, you know. <laughs> And um, yeah, I love that when you impressive. see these kind of smaller movies that you can tell they don't know how to package trailers with. Yeah. So they just give you the like the dim sum version of it. Like they, right. have, yeah. uh, they have when you go see Star Wars, they know what to throw at you. But you're right. On Hell of High Water, they're like, oh, gosh. Um, yeah. A kids movie, a R-rated forward right. to movie, a right. and two Kevin Smith movies. OK, that, that's <laughs> the same. Right. Those are all. The same audience? Basically. All right. Well, I guess without further delay, uh, let's take a break and uh, then talk hell or high water. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. We'll let Brian kick this one off. He's the first one of us that saw it and uh, kind of demanded this episode. I'm lucky it <laughs> played did. by my house because uh, it wasn't playing wide release, at least. Mm-hmm. And um, lucky that we got this one because we've missed out on a lot of good indie movies this year because of that. But yeah. we did get to see this one. And I'm assuming you have a lot of thoughts that you're wanting to get out. I think it's been two weeks since you've seen it. So, uh, I guess initial impressions. You know, I'm a sucker for this kind of movie, uh, the kind of slow burn with with quality actors doing quality work and just kind of letting it all breathe a little bit. 
So maybe I'm incredibly biased, but I, man, I love this movie. And it, it helps that it came at the time of the year when it did, as we're about to enter Oscar season. You know, there's a chance that this kind of movie, that this movie in particular gets overlooked if it comes out in November or something, which is probably where it fits a little bit better. But it feels like such a breath of fresh air compared to what we've been dealing with for the last three or four months. And uh, so, I, you know, it reminded me of uh, it's not anywhere, any anything like this movie, but just in terms of like my feeling coming out when we saw the way, way back in 2013. And it just felt like a break from all the summer blockbuster crap that I like some of, but some of it just starts to be overwhelming after a while. I had a similar reaction to uh, to that movie as I did to this. So there's a chance that, you know, as the year progresses, that there's going to be some really high-quality Oscar fare that will uh, kind of push this back. In my memory, at least, if not down the, the rankings a bit, but for the moment, man, this is... I think this is probably my, my number one movie of the year at this point, and I... I'm so blown away by by the cast and the the acting, the performances on the screen. I think the cinematography is fantastic. I'm excited. Real quick, Brian. Yeah. I tuned out for a second. We're still talking yoga hosers, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, so blown away. Just wanted to, just the cinematography within the convenience store is otherworldly. Really makes you feel like you are in that Seven Eleven in Canada. Uh, <laughs> Do they have 7-Elevens in Canada? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, they're probably called like, hey, the old H12 there, buddy. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I think, pre- I don't know that this is a perfect movie. It is the type of movie that makes me, that, that I walk away from feeling like, oh, we can still make good original movies, even if they are very small and get a small distribution or small limited release or whatever. Um, they are out there and they are, uh, still up to the quality of these, you know, these great movies of the past. I, look, I, I like, uh, I like the modern Western. I'm excited for what can be done in that genre. It just, it doesn't seem like it gets touched very often, probably because they don't make money. And I, I get it. You, you know, the job of the film studio is to make money. So that's, you know, whatever you gotta, you've got to do what you got to do to make money. But this is, so this uh, costs 12 and it's made yeah. almost nine and it'll sure. make another bunch and on demand and stuff. Yeah. It'll make yeah. its money back or yeah. close enough. And, and even if it doesn't, you haven't lost a lot and you've put out something of, of real substance. I think I, I feel like studios should have, there should be like a built in and maybe they're, they're kind of unspokenly is like to have, a certain amount of resource each year that you can commit to something that is a low risk, low reward sort of movie like that. Yeah. It's probably not going to be Sony pictures classics, right? Yeah, exactly. Look, they're yeah. not, it's not going to make a lot of money, but it also didn't cost us a lot. And it, it garnered some prestige. It, it makes up for three kind of rough, uh, blockbusters that even if they made a lot of money, weren't really critically received well. And anyway, um, I'm going on. on, I love the movie. It's one of my, it's probably my number one of the year at this point. I think it has three of the maybe five or six best performances that I've seen this year as well. And, uh, man, I loved it. I I hope you guys enjoyed it half as much as I did, if not more. Yeah. It really makes you a realize again, Brian, that good movies can be made and will be made. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but be made by directors that we don't really know about. Uh, yeah. too much and uh writers that have only done a little bit uh this writer did sicario 
And that makes me think he is in for a, a big career. I mean, you have yeah. Sicario and this, and that's it. I mean, this is going to be up for, I assume, some awards this year. You know, it is, what, August right now? September, basically right now, September 1st. Um, I assume this will be in the conversation later in the year. I don't really see any movies that have come out prior to this that have any more staying power than this feels like it has uh, Mm -hmm. in the conversation for what we're going to be talking about for the next four months, probably weekly. So uh, that's good, and I'm glad that we're discovering new talent in that sense uh, because it's Mm -hmm. really – it really gets annoying when, you know, all we can look forward to are the Coens and the Spielbergs and the Tarantinos yeah. of the world. I want, I want new good directors and writers. Also, um, Jeff Bridges is still on his path. Like every other year, I'm going to do something awesome, and then I'm going to follow it up by just doing The Giver and doing mm-hmm. Seventh Son. You know, in between <laughs> Oscar-worthy performances. I mean, this is such a com- good combination of. Crazy Heart and True Grit for me, for Bridges. Uh, sure. It really was like the Bad Blake and uh, his character in True Grit. Uh, in a lot of ways, like it even scenes that mirror those movies uh, too. So I'm a sucker for bank robbery, bank robbery movies. I don't know mm-hmm. why there aren't more of them because it's such a thrill to watch on screen, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but sure. yeah. it creates such a tension. Uh, the last movie that did this well was The Place Beyond the Pines, in my opinion. I think there were some very viscerally enjoyable bank robbery scenes in that, especially his method, Ryan Gosling's method of doing it on the motorcycle and then driving away and having, like, the box truck, and he would, like, drive the motorcycle into the box. I just remember that being awesome. And they were all – some of the scenes were shot in one take in those, like, tracking shots and things, so it made it even more mm-hmm. exciting uh, as you're seeing the events unfold. But – I mean, this movie starts out with a bank robbery right at the beginning, and it's like on from there. You know, you're like, okay, yeah. you know exactly what this kind of movie, this movie's going to be, and you're just kind of, for me oh. at least, I was just hoping that I, they could s- sustain that throughout mm-hmm. the two hours to sustain that excitement, and I feel like they they did. Um, yeah, they the really oh, so good. I like mean, being they, able yeah. to pull back and let it breathe a little makes such a huge difference. You know, there are such enjoyable personas that they've created here. I mean, mm-hmm. with everything from Chris Pine's character to Jeff Bridges' partner to Jeff Bridges himself to uh, uh, the actual waitresses in the restaurants are all great. Katie Mixon, who we know from Eastbound and Down, or I know her from there, she was great in this one little scene or two scenes she was in as yeah. the waitress that gets tipped too much and won't give away the uh, location <laughs> of the of robbers. And also that old lady who was yeah. complaining, oh I guess, what don't you want was her scene, was just gold. I mean, it was like uh-huh. Linklater mixed with Cohen's gold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, what am I, who are these guys making this movie? That's what I just kept thinking. And um, I'm just so happy about it. And I, I'm so happy that it wasn't them, you know. <laughs> and um, there were so many little fun scenes. It, this movie was exciting. Uh, it was shot beautifully. Uh, it was funny. You know, it made you think it had good relationships. It had life stories. It had morals. Um, I'm not going to use the word flawless, Brian, because or perfect or masterpiece, because it did trail off for me in the middle just a bit pacing wise. Um, It does drag just a tad pacing wise for me. It did. 
but um, it, I mean, this is as good as I could have asked for this to be. I had no idea what this was going in, and I'm sure. glad it was what it was because um, I just, it's such a simple film. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's such yes. an easy thing to do. Two guys going mm-hmm. robbing banks and the Texas Rangers trying to find them. I mean, that's really, really yeah. very simple. You know, I mean, that's where, that's where it's the most like a Coen Brother movie in that I think most Coen Brother movies are, they're very simple in the plotting. They let the characters be complex. And I, I feel like a lot of directors kind of do the opposite of that. It's like, we've got to make this really complex, complicated uh, plot that ties in in a dozen different ways. And that's often at the expense of the characters. And what I like about a lot of those Coen Brothers movies is it's just like, this guy stole money. This guy is going to go stop him, you know, or whatever. You know, it's just a very simple bit. But all those characters have so many, all their motivations and their uh, their ideals and and what makes them tick yeah. and all that sort of stuff is is what's so good. And that that to me is where Hell or High Water personified, you know, very Coheny sort of feelings the the most. Man, the the partnerships of the characters is like. If you're not getting, uh, if you're not getting Jeff Bridges and his whole storyline uh, with his with his uh, his other Texas Ranger, you're getting mm-hmm. the Chris Pine Ben Foster storyline, which is just mm-hmm. as good. So it's yeah. like you don't want the Jeff Bridges scenes to end, but when they do, you get the bank robbery scenes. It's like totally the be- you know there's no wasted time in this movie, yeah. like with unnecessary plot lines and characters that we just don't care. Like yes. Batman v Superman, it's like <laughs> you go in expecting, oh, Batman v Superman, and then you're sitting there and you're watching a courtroom with a jar of urine, and you're like, what <laughs> is this? You know, it's just like, I just, <laughs> I'm just so happy that this, like, knew what it was. It's simple. It tells a story mm-hmm. from point A to point B, and that's it. And you're following it, and it's well written. And I mean, I'm just gushing, but uh, Richard hasn't said a word. So, uh, general thoughts. No. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll I'll try to say some stuff that you guys haven't. Um, yeah, I, I'm on I'm on par with you guys now. I I don't normally come from the, to the slow burn western naturally. It's not something I like target as much as it's more much more Brian's wheelhouse than mine. Um, so I expected to like this movie from from all the praise, but I don't think I expect to like it as much as I did. You know, they're so I think they're so hard to write because you have to think of an original. You know, you have to kind of, in a way, plot a bank robbery to shoot mm-hmm. on the screen sure. that's plausible and believable and escapable and all these things. So I was really impressed with the screenplay, just like in a, in a, not just the dialogue's great and the emotional weight is great, but just like logistically it was, it was well, I think that's like 80% of a, of a heist movie. Um, it's why Ocean's 11 is great and Ocean's 13 is not and Ocean's 12, you know, it's like, it's not, it's like, uh, it's, it's hard to do. It only comes along every once in a while. I think it was, it was really excellent. Uh, I think Chris Pine is like, I haven't been this, you know, I think, um, was it Chris Evans? That's Captain America. Is that his name? Yeah. yeah Chris <laughs> right. Pine yeah. is the star. Yeah. 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 So I was high on Chris Pine and then I feel like Chris Evans kind of got on his corner for a while with the whole Marvel universe thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is, and I was a big, when I saw Chris Pine in Star Trek, I don't think I'd ever seen him before. And then I was like, well, this guy's great. He's got that kind of Will Smith movie star thing to him. 
And then you kind of then you get up hit over the head with a million Marvel movies and Chris Evans. And yeah, I can't tell which is just a couple of white dudes named Chris and, uh, which is the name of my, my band. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but this was like the first time I'd seen him in a few years. I was like, yes, this guy's awesome. Like I love watching this guy do his thing. Um, he just seems bigger mm-hmm. than, than like, uh, Ben Foster. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, great actor, but like Chris Pine blows him off the screen just in like charisma and, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, things like that. So it was cool to see him do. This was such a great choice by him to do. Yeah, and uh, hopefully it's the he'll he'll do more things like this because he was he was really quite good. Yeah, I think I think they're both good, but I think Ben Foster, it's the more showy performance of the two. Sure. Yeah. I think I think that's fair. I think Chris Pine kind of took the high road with this. Uh, yeah, with I agree. This performance and not like trying to make it more than he thought it should be. You know what I mean? He wasn't trying no. like for, oh, this is the award, you know, and just going no, completely like not- accent, you know, full thick, you know, crazy accent. Yeah. And like uh, it just felt so natural to the story. And like it was a real person, you know, maybe that's more complimentary than saying he was more showy. Yeah, just let him be a movie. I mean, I'm cool with that. I think this is where I separate from like a lot of movie critics. If you want to lump me in there, I'm flattered. But like, I don't mind the movie star performance. I don't mind like John Wayne strutting around and being John Wayne. I think that is rarer than like a great character actor. I think there's a lot of great character actors on there. There's not that many guys or women who can just go onto a screen and just be them kind of some version of themselves and be a movie star. I, I think that's awesome. And you're right. Foster's performance is weightier and impressive, mm. grittier in his care. You know, there's more depth to it, but I can name a lot of like small budget Westerns that have that, that what a lot of them don't have is like the Chris Pine part, just because there's yep. only five of those guys in, 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 in women in the world. And it's like, you know, you, they can't be in everything. So I was just like, Oh, good. This is cool. Like it's fun to see a movie star in a smaller movie like this and let them just do their thing. He um Chris Pine, he was in Warcraft. I didn't know that. Oh, good for I him. Didn't see I didn't seen that uh movie. He but was? I, Jeez. Yeah. He was he was Mediv in Warcraft. Mm, no, that's Ben Foster. Ben oh, Foster. Ben, I'm gonna get Ben Warcraft. Foster's yeah, yeah. work, actually. Yeah. Uh well yeah. they were both in the finest hours. <laughs> which which came out that's why it confused me because oh, I, I was like, about the it. finest hours was supposed to be this it was disney and it mm. was supposed to be this big epic kind of about uh, the coast guard um and it flopped kind of hard i yeah. didn't really i honestly did not know it came out i remember seeing trailers for it it came out in like I... january i think yeah end yeah, of january wow. i was kind of still if you'd shown me a trailer for that tomorrow i'd be like when does that come out i'm still <laughs> Yeah. I did not know that came out. Wow. So well, it's the case. Yeah, foot curse. That's what he's got. And and Chris Pine also has Wonder Woman coming out early next year. And uh, another Star Trek sequel, which is supposed to focus on him and Chris Hemsworth's relationship. The, uh, the James Kirk and his father uh, plot line. So we'll see there. But has Chris Pine leapfrog chris hemsworth as far as movie star goes like is this kind of confirmation have we seen <laughs> yeah, chris hemsworth do anything this, this good that's not thor you know yeah i love hemsworth 
I love all the Chris's. I love Chris Evans. I love Chris Pine. Yeah. I love Chris Hemsworth. Chris Pratt. I think Pine is, Chris and I Pratt. love Chris Pratt. So uh, many Chris's. So many Chris's. That's the that's the spinoff band that we have. Chris Kringle. Um, <laughs> not as great. <laughs> no, uh, I think Pine laps most of those guys. Chris Pratt Chris is an incredibly Waltz. talented guy, but Chris Pine, Chris Pine laps those guys in in range. I think. I think he can do stuff that neither Hemsworth or uh, Evans can can do. And I think I've thought that for a while, but I haven't quite seen it come to fruition. I've seen him do some smaller roles uh, and stuff like uh, Z for Zachariah last year. And he did that movie carriers right after star Trek. I've seen him do some, some interesting stuff, but I've never seen it quite come, come full circle, I guess. And this kind of was like that, that moment of like, yeah, that's what I, that's what I thought he could do. That's what I was waiting to to see out of him. It's good that we have confirmation of that now. Mm -hmm. And I just so excited that, he did this and people liked it because that means he's going to do more smaller stuff. Cause you know, they got paid nothing for this, you know, Jeff Bridges yeah, made yeah. nothing for this movie. And, uh, I'm just glad that he, he wants to yeah. do more than be more than just the, the movie star, the blockbuster right. guy. He right. wants this to do serious work. I didn't, I just didn't, th I didn't take him as a serious actor before this really. I knew it, he had it in him, but I didn't think sure. he cared about it. You know, I thought he was yeah, just going to kind of cash checks and, I don't know. Well, be what a, about be a the last few years would make you think that? Uh, because that's all he's done. Oh, I thought you were talking about Jeff Bridges. I was like, no, I'm talking about Seventh Son. Awesome. <laughs> uh, right, all be. great movies. I mean, when you look I mean, at Chris Pine, I mean, all yeah. his stuff is like, okay, he did Star Trek, right? Um, Unstoppable. Remember that one with Denzel yeah. about the train? Very misleading yeah. title, by the way. I will say that because <laughs> it is, in fact, stoppable. <laughs> right, right. Spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> you know what though the uh, the Jack Ryan movie he did is kind of like yeah. a John Krasinski thing because like yeah, that was a work. smart pick by him. It should have worked. Good director, you know, proven everything and I just kind of about that. Oh man, yeah. that could have been like because that's been Kenneth Branagh who's done good stuff. Like that's like a Krasinski where you're like, eh, just didn't work out. Yeah. Every it was still a smart decision to do though. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, speaking of Krasinski, who's now the new Jack Ryan, so right. it all comes full circle. That is crazy. The new um, Horrible Bosses 2 he was in in 2014, oh, right. as well as the Into the Woods. Remember that Disney movie with James Corden and uh, Chris yeah. Pine and Meryl Streep? He, he was really good in that. That's like a really small role in a eh, movie, but he had a really funny bit throughout that movie, I felt like. And then Z for Zachariah, Wet Hot American mm -hmm. Summer, the Netflix series he did, and then The Finest Hours, Hell or High Water, and yeah. Star Trek Beyond, which we talked about last I, month. I think he's got a little bit of Matt Damon in him of, if you can perfect this art of do a big movie that cashes the checks and then do a small movie that you want to do that gives you a chance to either do something Oscar-y or just do something different and fun. I think... I think we might be in that that era for him, uh, that that range where he is safe as far as he's got Star Trek, he's got uh, Wonder Woman, all this other stuff. He can go off and do two of these smaller roles or two fun roles or whatever he wants to do and not worry about losing his, his A-list status. Some of the stuff I really liked about this movie, just small things, I loved how the bank robbers buried the cars after yeah. they, I thought that was so smart. I was like, why don't, maybe they do, maybe bank robbers do that, <laughs> but it's so smart to just bury the car and get a new car. 
um, after every robbery. That way people weren't chasing the same car around the country. That makes sense, and it was very clever, and I liked how they used it here. Um, <laughs> the scene where, I guess, they're at the gas station, and Chris Pine goes in to get something, and then those guys yeah. pull up and start cool. talking smack to him, and he just kicks those guys like to the ground. Still I was like, that dude I was so just hard, like, yeah. oh, I literally said that. <laughs> like, I did not expect that. And like, he actually dented the car. If you watched, you know, if you're looking at the, <laughs> I don't know if it's CGI or whatever, but like when he throws the guy against the car, he like dents the door of the car. And like, I don't know. It was a very powerful moment. Um, also, I really liked the scenes of Bridges and his partner interviewing people. I thought those were very well done, very well written. Mm-hmm. Just interviewing the teller, interviewing the waitress, and uh, all that was just so interesting to me for some reason. And because you, as the audience, I guess, were kind of on his side in the fact yeah. that we want to know why these guys are doing this too. You know, yeah, uh, we don't know. We we know that they are doing it, and we get to kind of see it. We get a first person right. view of it, but we don't know the motivation or anything like that. I love the way they that uh, David McKenzie, the director, and, and Taylor Sheridan, the, the screenwriter, I, I love the way they unfolded the backstory of what was happening there and just kind of let the game come to them a little bit through those interviews that you're talking about and the conversations between the brothers. Instead of having heavy exposition explaining why they're doing all of this, it just it sort of just kind of trickles out over the course of about an hour and 15 minutes. You know, like you really don't know all the motivation of what's happening you can kind of guess but you don't know exactly what's going on until really until the third act which i thought was was uh was both a brush of breath of fresh air and just kind of kind of beautiful the way that they put that together yeah anything stick out to you guys scenes wise that you really enjoyed uh off the top i loved all the jeff bridges stuff yeah what are, where does this Probably. rank on his and his filmography as far as performances of the last, I mean, even a couple of years. I, mean, he's, I would say above run. RIPD, but below seven. <laughs> below seventh son. Right. RIPD is another one that like looks right on pay. Oh, me and Ryan Reynolds. Oh yeah. 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 Comic yeah. book movie. Yeah. Let's do it. You know, sure. Ryan Reynolds broke the Krasinski curse with Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But yeah, it did. And then, and then for some, you know, the first day when, when Ryan Reynolds was like, oh, okay, it's a big budget movie. That's okay. It's kind of a cool concept. Could be a men in black type thing. All right, cool. And he shows up the first day and Jeff uh, Bridges does that weird voice. And <laughs> like, oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, no. Well, no, no, this is how much yeah. am I getting paid again? Can I renegotiate? Well, he, I mean, Krasinski's married to Emily Blunt and yeah. he's married to Blake Lively. So I think they're like, they're good. No, just go they home. In they forget about everything. Way. Exactly. They're, it makes they're it all called, worth yeah. it in the end. <laughs> But uh, what do we what do, where do we rank this as far as his stuff goes? Bridges' stuff goes. It's the first uh, time I've seen him try in like five, since True Grit, yeah, and it was awesome. Yeah. It was. <laughs> it was awesome. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, it's up there with kind True of the Grit. same kind of kind of movies the, as those. Yeah, like and you know the kind of East Texas, West Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he plays that. So I mean, he's not from Texas. He's from L.A., which is what's funny. Yeah, but I think you'd never know that. <laughs> but he he does it so well. He just understands the culture of it so well. I feel like represents it well. I feel like too, just from people that I know from those parts of. Where does Rooster Cog? Is what do you think is better, Rooster Cogburn or this? 
That's hard. I was going to ask you guys. He won the award for for Crazy Heart, and then he had I, True I Grit like the next year. Which one? I kind of think Rooster Cogburn is better. Like I, I thought his I, performance in True Grit was better than Crazy Heart, and I, I not to disparage Crazy Heart at all because it's he's fantastic in that movie. But yeah, Crazy but I think Heart, if True Grit came yeah. first, he would have won for that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. I yeah, totally you're, agree. You're I just, right. You know, I think, man. Crazy Heart is, I mean, it could be the top ten for me. Like, I love that movie so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just his singing in that maybe puts it over the top for me sure. as far as performances go. Because okay. he's really sitting there and singing and playing, you know? Like, that, to me, not every actor can do that. And mm-hmm. I just love, I love Crazy Heart. Um, but as far as Rooster and this goes, yeah, oh, Rooster's just so much more out there i mean he's just so yeah. much more flamboyant in his and a little more everything. charismatic yeah. in a weird way sure but this is but this almost so has slow. like a yeah yeah it has a little more uh emotional gravitas to it oh a absolutely bit. it definitely especially does. towards the end when uh, not to get too spoilery but the kind of release of emotion near the end of the film is pretty it, it got i mean i didn't start crying but it was it it worked Man. i mean it definitely worked it did so another scene, I mean, all the bank robbery scenes are, I mean, you're watching a bank get robbed. And I thought something that was very clever of them, which I'd never thought about, was the fact that they're robbing the banks first thing in the morning mm-hmm. when there's no one there except the first person. Like they're literally in the, the opening shot of the movie is them following the first car that pulls up to the bank, the girl into the into the store. I thought that was a good one shot uh, take of that to introduce the movie. But um, – so the bank robbery scenes are good, but the one kind of big one uh, where they walk into a bank on payday, I guess it is, yeah. in Texas, Whoops. and they start to rob the the thing, but there are several people in the bank that also have guns because it's an open carry right. state. And, I mean, it just goes – I mean, this was pretty tame, I felt like, violence-wise until yeah. that scene, and I was just like, oh, man, oh, man, you know? A couple of times, but that is that's maybe the best scene of the year. Like I can't think mm-hmm. of a scene that I was more thrilled by than that. Like unfolding, yeah. like just what was going to happen. Um, it felt real, you know. It was sure. It was extremely well done. It reminded me of I don't know if you guys ever saw Mud in 2013, the Matthew McConaughey Jeff yeah. Nichols yep. movie. It reminded me a lot of that. Where in it, and that movie also pulls from from the Coen Brothers quite a bit. But there's like this underlayer of violence that you're you're just expecting to to burst through at any moment and it it really doesn't until the very end and this hell or high water had that same quality like you're expecting it to go wrong at some point because especially with ben foster's character like he's just he's too wild he's pulling off he's doing stuff that he knows he can't get away with and you know it's going to come through at some point then when it does it's still it's almost shocking. Like it just feels like this tension is breaking and, uh, and it, it really, it goes almost from zero to 60, you know, there's just like this immediate explosion of violence and, and after it's this, kind of shocking, very when, effective. Uh, yeah. After the scene where they rob the bank on payday, all those cars start chasing him <laughs> and they stop the car. He goes out, goes out and pulls out a, AK forty seven and just starts offing everybody. <laughs> mowing it down. Yeah. I'm just like, this guy is insane, you know? Yeah. Um I it, it was so ruthless. I just couldn't believe I couldn't believe all that. Um and he 
sets the car on fire and rolls it down the hill to blow up another car. I was like, where does he think yeah. of this stuff? Yeah. That um, was awesome. That was awesome. MacGyver. MacGruber level. That was MacGruber. <laughs> you ripped he, seven throats. He just got, <laughs> he's just got a celery stick and James <laughs> counterintuitive, but you're going to want to put it uh, three end up first. Yeah. It slides right up. <laughs> uh, we, uh, that was great. Um, the traffic stop scene was very well done as well. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> very dense uh, with uh, Ryan Gosling. I'm not Ryan Gosling. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I got Gos- I got Place Beyond the Pines on the Gosling brain. on the mind. Yeah. Place Beyond the Pines. Uh, <laughs> when Chris Pine gets pulled over and uh, they let him go, I guess it's not. A, I guess mm-hmm. it's spoilery to say that, but um, anyone who's listening probably has seen this. That was tense. Yeah. Those are always tense when somebody's guilty of something and then they get pulled over you know that's always so some simple i mean again simple yep also we should uh move on to the third act because there's a lot to talk about kind of in the conclusion so we'll say we'll we'll say spoilers for this we'll sit the very very end spoilers so spoiler spoilers um spoilers kind of climaxes on this uh range like not mountain but kind of a Kind of a range, I guess, in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. Ben Foster gets away on his own, and he's on a high perch with a sniper rifle, just kind of offing anyone who does it or wants to come get him. First, it starts off with Jeff Bridges and company, and then he calls in the SWAT team, and there's this huge standoff. But uh, Jeff Bridges finds a truck down, a local person down on the street, and says, can you take me around to get a better angle? He does. And uh, ends Ben Foster's character's life at that point. And this is, I guess, what you were referring to, Brian, as far as the mm-hmm. release goes. Yeah, it's like that immediate moment, because it's pretty shocking when his partner goes down. Like, yeah. That's kind of out of nowhere, yep. and and it raises the stakes of the movie as well, if not better, than, than any film I've, I've seen in a long time, in that at least in terms of a third act escalation like that like that really changes how you look at ben foster especially but but really at chris pine too that changes how you look at their characters Mm -hmm. and it goes immediately from uh i can't remember the partner's name off the top of my head uh sorry bogging uh alberto parker yeah Yeah. his 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 alberto goes down he's dead immediately because it's a i mean it's like shot through the eye and then it's just a almost a mad dash of Jeff Bridges. Get me up on the hill where I can where I can take this guy out. And then, you know, we had they alluded earlier in the movie to him not being a great gunsman. So he, he uh, he's able to whether that's you know whether he's just been half drunk the last ten years and has never really cared about uh, keeping up his his pace as a shooter or if it's adrenaline or whatever, but he makes a pretty difficult shot and gets the guy. And then that, you know, that immediate, it's like half celebration, half crying of, I've just ended a really, you know, awful situation and his partner just died and all that. That was, it was extremely effective in the moment and, and very, I felt like very, uh, genuine to the character and the, you know, the, the situation, the setting. Absolutely. Any thoughts on the third act, uh, Richard? Yeah. Um, trying to think. I First off, Brian, that's, uh, it really does change. Your, a good thing about a heist film is 
without having to do the cliche thing of like people's motivations totally changing or like uh, all, oh, Sean Bean was evil all along type like that kind of, it's always him, right? Um, that contrivance, but still changing the way you feel emotionally about a character through just circumstance. It's like only these type of movies really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's really cool. There's, yeah, there's a little bit of convenience with, with bridges, but I mean, uh, it's a movie. Like I, I'm it, willing to take some leap, but it's not like insane. It really would, does straddle so. the line, Richard. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, no, by, by all uh, means. who, who is the antagonist protagonist in this movie? Because right. you're rooting for sure. both parties. You want Chris Pine and them to either get their money and stop robbing banks and be on the way, be along their way, and you want Jeff Bridges to catch them at the same time. So right. sure. you don't really even know until that moment, Brian, of the the yeah the headshot literally of who you're rooting for or rooting against, and that mm-hmm. that's a smart thing to save that for the third act. I yeah, thought that was very totally. smart. Like I said, I was just as interested in the bank robbers as I was the people trying to catch them, which is not always the case. Absolutely. But uh, Richard, any more thoughts on how this kind of ended or ends? I mean, I don't know about you. I was rooting for Andy Garcia all the way through. <laughs> um, I'm writing for Pacino. But, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was rooting. I was, I was rooting for the night Fox, the <laughs> big Vincent Castile guy. Um, no, I mean, no, I think that's what's interesting about this. And that's what's kind of cool about the, you know, whatever realism is in this movie is um, it, it humanizes the people that are committing a crime. And then it it allows you to also root for the people that are, it, you know, normally movies pick one or the other. They're not going right. to they're going to either, right. you know, you're going to fall in love with Bonnie and Clyde or you're going to try to catch Bonnie and Clyde. It, it was cool to I have to admit, I think when my heart had to make the choice, I was rooting for, 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 uh, pine and foster mm-hmm. or always, you know, I was rooting for that side. Um, but I like Jeff Bridges. You know, I wasn't mad that he caught him either. It's kind of like, um, when two teams you kind of like, but neither of them are your team are playing in a big game. You're just kind of watching agnostically through it. But sure. uh, my heart did pull a little bit during that last scene. Yeah. It's, um, what do you think's a better modern Western, this or No Country for Old Men? Uh, I'm gonna go with No Country for Old Men just because, oh, just yeah. because the scene with the tracker in the hotel is so good when mm-hmm. he's driving by the hotel and hears the tracker going off, and then and, and uh, Javier Bardem proceeds to like inspect the hotel. It's so freaking great that mm-hmm. uh but it's got two double beds uh, <laughs> it, it's so well done in every way like it might be the top five scenes in movie history it's that good <laughs> and not not even mentioning the scene where he goes to the pharmacy and all that i mean there's so many yeah. scenes in that movie that just put it completely over the t- it's like something i've never seen before this is a more by the books uh yeah, yeah. like bank robbery okay you know they do it well but it's not like I'd, n- I'd never seen a guy walk around with one of those horse killers and just off. Be- I mean, it was just like, mm-hmm. oh, my, what is happening? You know, it was, sure. they took it to the complete next level. So that might win it out for me. But this is one of those movies and why I love it so much and why I love like everybody wants some so much. This is a movie that I could have made and should have made. And my favorite movies are always the ones like, man, you know, like me and my, you know, sure. that was so 
easy and simple that anyone could have done that movie and should have done that movie. You know what? I mean, it did not take a $200 million budget or a big right. studio to get right. that done. It was two guys who got a great story and went out and, yeah. you know, inspired the actors to do it and they did it and it was great. You know, that's what I love about movies. I mean, these kinds of stories and movies and um, these kinds of successes, you know, this is what keeps I, the movie industry going, not the not the uh, b- the Ghostbusters reboots and things like that. If you had, though, I do think your Oasis soundtrack would not have been as well received as Nick. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying you for the yeah. Obviously for you the, haven't heard the their later matter. stuff, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I have. It's very country. I was gonna get Noel Gallagher to do the soundtrack instead of Nick, <laughs> Nick Cave. Would have been good. Would have been good. But um, I mean, this was just such a breath of fresh air. I said that earlier, but I mean, um, at the end, there's kind of this kind of epilogue scene or kind of mm-hmm. resolution, and it's the most powerful scene in the movie where Jeff Bridges literally goes to visit. Chris Pine, uh, I don't know how long ago, how long after it was, you know, I don't, it's not really established. It could have yeah, been a year later, like a couple, year, couple of months, couple months later. Like okay. Yeah. Um, and he goes to visit him and just kind of like, why'd you do it? You know, kind of a thing. And then Chris Pine's like, why'd you kill my brother? Kind of a thing, you know, and they kind of have this resolution and, uh, it's a really pleasing moment and it makes you feel like they're both they both can move on with their lives, you know, and um, I don't know. What, what do we think of that kind of conc- – I mean it could have ended with Jeff Bridges killing Ben Foster and that's it, mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah. oh, he caught him, you know. That sucks for them. Chris Pine probably got away, but <laughs> he's going to be caught eventually, you know. And or, yeah. or I thought when it cuts back after the death and Chris Pine goes on his own way, it cuts to him back at the casino with the chips – of yeah. you know the uh, casino <laughs> chips of all their stash, I honestly thought in that moment uh, that he was going to leave the chips there at the bar and just walk away from the bar, and that was going to be the end of the movie. <laughs> oh, like, okay. like he was going to give up the money and be like, "This wasn't even worth it." You know, losing my brother and everything that's happened wasn't even worth this money. It, it's 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 guilt money. You know, you know. And he was going to leave. He was just going to stand up and walk away from the bar, and then the camera was going to be like focused on the chips and that was going to be the movie. Uh, Mm. that's what I thought. But then, uh, we get a kind of that scene afterwards where they're kind of visiting and kind of shaking hands. If not really literally, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it's like an unspoken animosity almost Uh like we're going to continue this later. Like if it was a blockbuster, you'd be expecting, well, that's the beginning of the sequel, you know, Uh that kind of thing. What do we think about how it ended though? I loved it. I thought it was. A, I thought it was perfect. And he literally uh, drives into the sunset. I mean, yeah. the way it yeah. ends is, yeah, it's beautiful. It, really, right? Left it a little bit ambiguous, where you can walk away saying, "Okay, do you think uh, you think they had a confrontation later on down the road, or do you think they did go their separate ways?" And uh, what happened when they, if and when they did have that confrontation, you know, who who prevails? Uh, I I loved it. I thought it was a perfect ending for this particular movie. Yeah, Richard, any last thoughts on how this ended or this movie at all before we hit grades? Uh, probably was a certain grade until the ending and then went – I don't want to give away grade yet, but then uh, went up a little bit when the ending. Good. I did that much. Oh, great. It made me smile even the theater. Like not that's a happy ending, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just okay, so pure where he's sitting like you want yeah. a beer and then he's just sitting down and on the porch, you know? 
and just two dudes talking and about life and everything. It just felt so genuine. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's hit grades. I'm going to give Hell or High Water a freaking A+. Plus. Uh, Boom. It should have been an A++. Plus plus. I mean, this is not 100, but this is a 97, you know, sure. on my scale. Uh, really, 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 really like this. And uh, not sure if it's my favorite of the year, um, but it'll be up there. It'll be in the conversation towards the end. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. Ghostbusters, I hear you. Kung Fu Panda 3. I still like Linklater. I still like, I still like Everybody Wants Some. I think that's still my number yeah. one, just from like pure enjoyment. I just loved it so much. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another simple story. But uh, that's a conversation for another day when we re- revisit that. Uh, Brian? Yeah, it's an A plus for me as well, and it's it's my number one of the year at this point. Uh, and it'll it'll take a lot to knock it off that perch. Uh, like I said at the outset, I'm a sucker for this kind of movie, but it did it so so stinking well, uh, and I'm I'm blown away by by the acting. So for me right now, I think top three is is this. Everybody wants some and and the lobster. So it, that's kind of an odd uh, trio. I like the nice guys real too. Studio release. I like the nice yeah, guys and nice I like guys Green Room high. too. Jungle Room or Jungle Book is is up there. Jungle Room, uh, Jungle Room as well. The sequel, um, <laughs> a little bit, you know, not smaller as smaller scale. Yeah, smaller exactly. scale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jungle Room. We only can afford a room, guys. It's the Jungle Room. Richard, what's your grade animals? Uh, I'm going to go A plus as well. Boom. So it went from A th- yes. A to A plus when the ending happened. Um, Correct. It was just so perfect, man. It just ended on such a good note. So like three A pluses. Wow. Wow. Has that, that ever really happened? Happens. I don't think it ever has. Maybe gravity, like the last movie I can think where you're all that, that blown away by it. I don't know. That's pretty strong. We're the three best friends that anyone has had. <laughs> we are. Well, let's move on, guys, and let's hit weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. Alright, I'm going to recommend uh, a viewing experience for you. And uh oh. I recently acquired on Blu-ray Citizen Kane, the, the anniversary edition. I'm not. I think it's 75th anniversary edition of Citizen Kane, and it it's is awesome. It is awesome. It's a great movie, but it's restored in full HD, of course, complete restoration of the original film. But uh, the great feature, and what I want to suggest, is that. Roger Ebert does a commentary track on it that Ooh. is like the best thing you've ever heard. I mean, he, he he recorded it, I think, in like 2004. I think he did it for this uh, release, but it wasn't released till later or something. But it's only on the special edition Blu-ray of Citizen Kane. And I, I, I would send it to you online. I don't think you can find it online. But, I mean, it's like it'll change your view of movies forever. I mean, he breaks down everything. You know, from the props to the camera placement to the scripting, he he says Citizen Kane is his favorite movie of all time. He was very noted in saying it's the best movie of all time, and I think this kind of he tells you why it's the best movie of all time, and it is so good for any movie lover, any Roger Ebert lover, any film critic lover, any Citizen Kane lover. You need to hear it. Um, it's great. You guys need to check it out too. I'll let you borrow Sweet. it or something, but. Yeah, hundred percent worth your time. If you don't like Citizen Kane, you will after listening to him tell you why it's great and why you should appreciate it. It's it's yeah. I may come over and watch that. It is so good. Uh, But check that out. 
Citizen Kane Anniversary Edition on Blu-ray. Roger Ebert commentary. Great, great stuff. And it's it's old Ebert. It's not. It wasn't his voice box or anything like that. It was. Right. <laughs> it was like him in the studio yeah. with a mic and just watching it and talking about it by himself. You know, in one take. And it's gold. It's absolute gold. So mm. check that out, uh, Brian. I'm going to recommend a book that I just finished today. I actually listened to, to an audiobook version that's called American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah. uh, good book. One that I have read parts of in the past and just never have fully uh, dived into it. Got the audiobook, and it's actually like a full cast performance instead of just a straight one reader. Uh, really good. There's a series coming out on Stars, I think, you at the beginning of next year. So you know it's good. I don't know how good the series will be, but the the book itself really interesting. It's kind of high fantasy with, uh, but Gaiman is such a great writer, and he's so eloquent in everything that he says that uh, even if you're not, you know, into that kind of book, I think uh, I think you can enjoy it. So check that out, American Gods, Neil Gaiman. Have you seen the cast for American Gods? The yes. Stars joint. Yes, it looks good. Casting wise, looks great. If it was on like FX, I'd be totally in. You know. Well, Crispin Glover is Mr. World, <laughs> so you know. That's pretty oh, typical. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's got- oh, and, and Dane Cook is Robbie. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's an odd choice. Let's be honest. Awesome. He super fingers the crap out of <laughs> Mad Sweeney. That sounded gross. Just take that. I did not mean it. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> but he used to have the double middle finger, right? Remember? That is awful. I apologize, Ken. It's okay. Uh, all right. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend... Believe it or not, it's that time again. I'm going to recommend the Mad About Movies new podcast newsletter. Right. It is out next week. We have some awesome pieces coming on it, some recommends, some cool stuff. This has been going very well. Uh, so it'll be out next Tuesday because Monday is a holiday. Um, but we'll get it in your inboxes Tuesday so you can read it at work, read it at home, whatever you want to do. But it's uh, like we always say, it's a five to ten minute read, um, kind of in the spirit of this show. Um, some jokes, some actual formal movie reviews, uh, some uh, kind of listicle articles, columns, whatever we kind of feel like doing that month. But uh, we work hard on this, and so you should you should uh, you should sign up. You go to badamoutmoviespodcast.com slash newsletter. Uh, put in your email. It's once a month. You won't get a bunch of like weird like uh, hey, thirty three percent off microphones from us or anything like that. Uh, it's just it's just the newsletter pops in once a month and. Uh, and uh, go ahead and check that out. I think if you like this show, you'll like the newsletter. It's totally exactly the same. It's not. It's not news. It's, I don't know that that's the right word. It's more like a monthly magazine. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's sure. It's it's funny quips, articles that you guys have written, and observations on life and the world and stuff. So uh, worth checking out for sure. All right, uh, let's uh, move on and find out where Brian uh, is online. Go ahead, Brian. You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the aforementioned Mad About Movies podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and at richardbarden.com. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Find us online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and on the iTunes. Hit subscribe. Leave us five stars if you like what you hear. That helps grow the show. And uh, tell a friend if you like what you hear as well. Thank you to our sponsors, of course, for making this episode happen. And until next week, in which we will be talking Stranger Things, I believe. Woo! Uh, we will see you 
at the cinema or on Netflix. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination.